what is up, everybody? This is the Huntzilla Podcast, the podcast where we talk about public land deer hunting and staying fit and working out and nutrition and stuff like that. So if you're new to the show, that's what we do. My name is Josh Bell, Ding Dong Bell. That's right. Um, you know, guys, we take a lot of things freaking for granted, you know, like we just, we go to work, we come home. Well, for me, I don't get to come home and have dinner, but the majority of you guys come home, have dinner, turn on TV and we go to bed and, uh, you know, we got a lot of freedoms. We get these freedoms from the guys who have served in our military And about the time that I'm doing this podcast right now, it is close to Memorial Day. Now, I'm probably going to launch this thing after Memorial Day, but for everybody that served, I want to thank you. And if you're listening to the show, thank somebody who has served because we have the freedom that we have thanks to these men and women in our military. So thank you. Now, for today's show... I'm going to be talking with Byron Horton. Byron is a member of Whitetail, the Whitetail Experience. I don't know why I do that, but I just want to say Whitetail Experience. And uh, that's kind of cool because they've taken the same approach that I have. There's too many Smith Outdoors, too many Bubba's Outdoors. There's too many, I don't know, just blah, blah, blah Outdoors. They chose to go with a name that just says it, like me, Huntzilla. That's what I want to do. I want to be a freaking beast. These guys want to have the whitetail experience. So I think we both want the same thing. I want to be a, you know, having the whitetail experience. They might want to be a Huntzilla. But anyway, I think it's a cool, I don't know, correlation that we're kind of in parallel as far as those things go, because everybody wants to be outdoors. That's just annoying to me for some reason that hunting marketing hasn't got better than that. But anyway, um, these guys have really put in a lot of effort with their YouTube um, videos. They've got some really good stuff. That's how I found these guys. You know, obviously, you know, if you don't know anything, you probably don't know this about me unless you're in like my Whitetails Weights and Whiskey uh, Facebook group. But I don't watch a lot of cable TV. I don't watch the outdoor channel. I am a YouTuber. I like to watch YouTube on my TV whenever I get time to watch TV. Whenever my wife and my daughter are like, you know what? We've watched Trolls 10 times. I think Josh deserves to watch like 20 minutes of YouTube and watch some deer. And we'll just nod our heads whenever he starts talking to us about what's going on or something. So that's what I do. And that's how I found these guys. So they got great content. And, uh, you know, that we're going to sit here. We're going to talk to Brian Byron. What I just cannot get anything right today. We're going to talk to Byron about Whitetail Experience, the Whitetail Experience. And we're going to talk about, you know, how they hunt, you know, the, the troubles they go through with public land hunting. Some of the things that make public public hand, ugh, guys, I'm sorry, public land hunting so great. Okay. And uh, it's, it's a very interesting conversation. He's a heck of a guy. 
So I'm going to shut up because I keep tripping over my tongue right now. I just don't know what's going on right now. I can't talk, but we're going to go ahead and just go straight to this podcast. It's a really good one. Great guy. Roll it. All right, guys, I am here with Mr. Byron Horton. Byron is a team member with White Tail, the Whitetail Experience. Sorry, I got that kind of tongue tied there. But uh, I found these guys on YouTube, and they're just slaying some big deer on public land. So, Byron, thanks for taking time out of your day to, to talk to us today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Heck of an opportunity, and uh, love to talk public land hunting. Yeah, man, so... Uh, Let's go ahead and just talk about the Whitetail experience, what that's about, and your team members, everybody that's on there. Sure, sure. So, uh, oh, this has been about three years ago. Um, I was kind of kicking around the idea, and um, David, uh, kind of the co-founder with myself, uh, had had some success on public ground, and we kind of started hunting together. Well, we'll call this five years ago at this point, and we had went to school together and kind of knew each other through uh through college but we started hunting a decent amount together and um the reason i approached him is i was just getting heavily involved in the in the, in the public land game and i knew he had killed a couple nice bucks so um we just kind of gravitated hunting together and he improved my skill set and i was bouncing ideas off of him and i think that's obviously an important factor in, in becoming successful as, as a good hunting partner um, and we kind of decided three years ago, dude, we're, we're going to start filming this. Let's let's make a run at this. Um, it's something we're we're, we're kind of passionate about. I, I felt like I was tricked early in my hunting career by watching the Outdoor Channel and wish I would have discovered guys that aren't preaching products and are doing it on ground that that I could kind of access. Yeah, right. Um, so so that's kind of how it started. We were uh, we were drinking beers and working on a car, and I said, dude, let's, <laughs> let's get some some low dollar cameras and let's try it. And that's the cool thing too. I mean, it's hard enough to go kill a deer, especially on public land, but to film it and, and all that. I mean, were you, when y'all first started that, was that like a, a hard thing for you to do? You know, getting it on film and trying to film them and stuff. Because I've I've wanted to get into it, but I'll be honest with you, I'm just too damn scared to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's a huge learning curve. Like, uh, I. To, to, to get into it and kind of that first year you're like man it's a lot of ex- extra work uh obviously we're packing in standing sticks and like camera gear alone adds another 15 pounds oh yeah um so so, so it kind of almost mm, doubles your pack weight right um if we didn't have camera gear dude we <laughs> walking around is not that bad now if we if we're teaming up you can kind of split that gear between two packs which helps um but like you said, you know, we're hunting public ground. It's not like there's a bunch of giants. Um, we sometimes will uh, split up and solo film it and just because we got to get, you know, as many guys in the woods to hopefully get one down. Yeah. I, I, you know, for me, I think the biggest thing is like having that to fool with while you're up in a tree stand anyway. You know, because I, I feel like it's, I don't know, shooting around the tree or something like this deer I shot this past time. If I would have had a camera arm where a lot of people tell me to put a camera arm or what I've seen on YouTube with a limited amount of knowledge that I have about filming, I was like, man, I don't know if I could have got that shot off. And, you know, that's oh, one more 100%. thing, one more obstacle. And I'm just like, man, I, I, that's my only hesitation with doing is I feel like I'd be screwing around with the camera and miss an opportunity. Have you all had any experiences like that before? Um, as far as like a missed opportunity. Yeah. Fooling with your camera. Cause this is just uh, me wanting to know. 
Because, <laughs> like I said, I don't yeah. get interested in getting into it, but I just, you know, damn, I'd, I'd hate to miss a, yeah. a buck of a lifetime because I'm fooling with the camera, but, you know. Yeah, I, I had a doe, I had an encounter this year on on uh, a pretty good buck, and I think the doe might have seen me move the camera, um, and who knows how many countless other times, you know, that we probably got busted having either a two guys in the trees or uh I know. Oh wait, there there is a guy who who definitely missed one. He didn't have a uh, focus set right, and he was messing with it. And he he let a nice buck walk through two lanes at fifteen and twenty yards. And you know, I I, I kind of had to have the uh, uh, the conversation with him. I'm like, dude, nobody is paying us to hunt. <laughs> I was like, you shoot that thing out of frame, we can still film recovery. We, we we've got enough footage of, of you know what we do on a on a. Uh, weekly and huntly you know every hunt we've got other footage it, you can still tell a story right. um the ground we're hunting you don't have the luxury of oh i'll get another encounter another encounter you may you may not have that you know that another encounter you mm-hmm. you, you kind of got to take the shot you got i mean shit you get up there and have somebody in your tree that you're wanting to hunt you know you never know yeah, yeah. And, and you know that's that's true i i thought about that too i had a uh one of those epic game cam no it's not a game cam. it's like a it's an action cam is what they call it but it's for hunting and i put it on my bow this year and i hit play i had a buck that was coming in he was about 45 maybe 55 at the most just a little bit outside of my comfort zone for shooting i, I want i thought he was going to come in a little bit closer but i hit the record button and I'm seeing this deer come in, and I'm like, all right, I'm about to get this shot. Everything's going good. Well, he went the other way, and he got behind this tree. And I'm like, I'm like sitting there just waiting, you know, sitting there watching. I, I knew it was kind of over with. And all of a sudden, that camera goes, me. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, like, this is supposed to be a hunting camera. What it was, the SD card filled up, and I couldn't, it, it just, it had like an alarm that went off or something and I was sitting there just cussing in that stand like man here goes that so I, I don't know I'm like man I, after that I put the camera away <laughs> I was like I'm just gonna hunt but uh, hats off to you man I know that's uh that's a very hard thing to do and I admire you guys that that actually take on that role because like you said you're gonna have missed opportunities and I think you just got to roll with the punches you know it's, it's gonna get in the way at some point and you're probably gonna be mad but I think it's really cool to have that on film I'd like to get into it, so hats off to you. But I, I want to ask you, you know, where where are you guys wanting to go with Whitetail Experience? And and there's really no answer I'm looking for. I just want to know what, what your guys' goals are, you know, in case there's any way that me or um, the guys listening, you know, could help you out. Um, you know, what what's your goal with, with that and what's your challenges, I guess? Yeah. So I kind of started the Whitetail Experience because, like, I felt like I was tricked early in my hunting career. I uh, watched a lot of outdoor television and uh, believed, you know, I should be able to hunt like those guys and shoot giants like that. I'm putting in my time, and um, that's just not the case. You know, I'm I'm not hunting that ground, uh, you know, and I don't have that kind of time that those guys have. And, you know, I also believe products kill deer. So I wanted to put out a product um, that just showed kind of the, the more realistic aspect, you know, I'm a huge fan of, fan of like whitetail adrenaline, um, yeah. and, and Curtis said behind the bow. So like that was kind of the Avenue I, I, I wanted to, to, to run towards. And after doing it a year, I kind of saw like, um, for the whitetail experience to grow, like, uh, production 
was really going to have to take like a leap to help separate like our brand from a lot of other, what I'll call YouTube handy cam films, um, or, or hunting products, you know? Um, I think it's great that guys have an outlet, but, but to separate like the whitetail experience as a, you know, a brand people want to watch and, and go to, um, I want to be relatable and, and we've kind of stepped up that production level. So when you're watching it, you're like, Oh, this is, you know, this is, this is a good product. Um, it's, it's visually looks sharp and, uh, these guys are, are showing some stuff that I, that I can relate to. Yeah. I definitely noticed that on, uh, Oh, what was the, the one where the big deer was killed? What's his name? What's he? The, Andy, yeah. Yeah. Andy. He's a workhorse, man. He yeah. killed a giant. This I year. noticed that I, I saw some of your earlier stuff and then I saw that video and I was like, man, they've really put some time into it. You know, I, I can tell, yeah. you know, there's a big, like, I used to do videos for, um, outdoor life magazine and I, I know what it takes to, you know, edit a video. It's very time consuming and it, you know, you got to really dive into it and it takes a lot of mental focus to get that thing right. And I was like, man, these guys are okay. They're trying to do something with this. Like you're not just showing videos. I mean, y'all want to have a good product. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's really important too. I was listening to a podcast this morning. Um, the Andy Frisella podcast. It's the MF CEO. It's an awesome podcast for personal development, business stuff. I'm going to go ahead and plug it because it's just, it's done wonders for me, but he was talking about, you know, everybody this day and age is trying to get recognition. They're trying to get their product out there. They want people to see it, but what they're not focusing on is their product. You know, like there's, you know, for podcasts and stuff, they post it in groups. For Instagram, we go and we comment on stuff. We like stuff, whatever. But you really got to focus on what you're putting out there in your product. So, you know, if you go out there and you put a product out that's not of the highest quality or caliber, that's the instant death. You know, the fastest way to know if you got a good product or not is to market it. So I think you're taking the right approach. I mean, it's, it looks sharp. It looks really good. And for everybody listening, y'all really need to check it out. I think they're doing a really great job and, uh, you know, they got some big deer that they're knocking down too. So anyway, is there uh is there anything anybody can do? I mean, as far as like finding your stuff, um, I guess the good yeah. content or stuff that you want to share with us about, you know, some of y'all successes and what you feel like is some of your good content that you want us to find or anything like that. Oh yeah. I appreciate the, the kind words there. Yeah. That's been a, a couple of years in, in the making as far as getting better as a, as a producer myself. And then obviously when we go to the field, you know, I'm, I'm kind of coaching the guys as far as, okay, this is the kind of shots I want. This is what we need. So I really appreciate the kind words as far as like where people can find us, obviously Instagram, that's kind of the day to day consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, but we put out, you know, a couple photos a week and uh, some short videos, highlights, stuff like that. And, and that's at, um, whitetail underscore experience. And then over on the YouTube channel, we kind of do, uh, uh, we've got our hunts up from past years. We've got obviously some short videos that are kind of, you know, more visually stimulating, stimulating. Um, and then we did some hunt journals this, uh, this winter, as far as like when we're scouting, these are like two minutes, um, try to drop like two or three nuggets as, as far as information of why we're doing what we're doing, what we're seeing. Um, just to kind of show more of the, the, the weekly grind, um, yeah. for, for the off season. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I, I noticed y'all had some product reviews and there's a lot of content on there. Um, 
Now, as far as like any of the deer hunting footage or anything like that, is there anything you suggest as far as, you know, searching for it on your YouTube or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, just go to the YouTube page, uh, the Whitetail Experience. You know, we got a YouTube page. You can go to like the hunt section or you'll see the videos. Uh, since they got more views on, on, on our successful hunt, you'll see those at the closer to the top. Um, you know, we killed a really good deer. Uh, we have a really good bow harvest uh, this year. Um, Dave and I had a double dip on a uh, gun season and that's a funny, kind of a funny film, yeah, mile and a half that. back, yeah. public land, um, dragging them out and, and just like that whole story. And even I, I killed a doe and it's not necessarily like, uh, Oh, let me sit on a food plot and kill this doe. I took a boat into the piece of public that, uh, I'd scouted over the summer and, and killed a doe and, and pulled it out using a boat. So that was kind <laughs> of a, a cool, neat way to kill a doe. See that I needed to hear that god's up there and he wanted me to hear that because i got a boat sitting in my backyard that i haven't done a thing with since last year i actually like it was october and i was still screwing around with this damn boat and i finally was like screw it i'm just gonna go ahead and hunt but i needed to hear that because (laughs) i've got to get off my butt and make sure that i get that thing registered and get the motor running so I definitely, man, I had a spot last year that was just ridiculous when I went back and checked the trail cameras and stuff. I actually had one stolen. I had a mock scrape up and it was just, man, it was tore up. It looked really good, but my camera didn't work and it was the most expensive camera I freaking had. So, <laughs> naturally, naturally. I mean, I, I think taking a boat back there, man, you can really get away from people and find some little honey holes. So. Oh, you separate yourself from yeah. from ninety nine percent of people oh, yeah. by by doing the boat thing. And then if you walk back a little bit further, you're just that much more. I mean, like I said, it's gravy. I mean, I had this spot, these few spots that I found. I had trail cameras in. I had some huge deer in there, and I never had a single person walk through there through the whole season because I put them out with a kayak. But then I was waiting for my boat and stuff, and I just never went back there. I, I went back later. Just I went camping one day, and I went back there and just got all my trail cameras and then checked them, and I was just blown away. I was like, golly, if only I'd had a boat, you know. But oh, yeah. Whatever. So um, let's talk about how you guys do what you do, how you guys hunt. So Okay. I guess we could start with where we are right now. As far as the calendar, <laughs> it being, you know, the end of, you know, what end of May, June-ish, you know, what you guys are doing right now. Cause I, and I'll be honest with you, man, I scouted, summer scouted last year and I, I, I suck at it. So if y'all are doing that, <laughs> good. If not, I don't know, but let's just go through sure. where we're at right now and what you do working up to the season. Yes. Yeah, so we just wrapped up turkey season, and we are by no means turkey hunters. Do not come to me for turkey advice. We 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 just knew there was birds on this piece from from deer scouting, and so we hunted it this spring, like over the last month. And really, to me, that's kind of like a, a secondary scouting time. Like we we'd hunt birds, obviously, right off the roost and stuff. But we'd be walking around and and naturally just start looking at pinch points and, and tree stand setups and where we're jumping does out of or or any other deer. Um, so that's what we've kind of just wrapped up. And I got to say, like, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's now really green here in Ohio. Um, we're getting ready to deploy as many trail cams as we can get out. Um, something we kind of, Oh, we do long-term trail camera soaks. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a few like year-round scrapes um, that we can occasionally ch- you know catch deer on in the summer. Still like actively, not necessarily tearing them up, but popping by there, and, and that kind of gives us some bucks. And our general mm-hmm. strategy is long-term camera soaks. You know, monthish. Um, but as soon as we find like an area of a, that, that's holding a, a three and a half year old or bigger, good. We mark that spot, but if we try and locate over the summer as many three and a half year olds as we can, um, we'll scout a little bit, even on like some boat access spots or, uh, just kind of shoring up access where we're in areas that it's not necessarily too thick or, uh, you know, ticks are real bad this time of year. Oh, so like, man. I'm not going into, uh, into any like high grassy type areas i may i may just sure up some access points on, on some new spots as far as like walking down old logging roads and stuff like that right um that's kind of gonna gonna take us i don't know through june july um then we'll do a huge trail cam kind of switch from from july into august and, and pull cards and then we kind of set cameras up um late august september for for season um what that entails is maybe uh maybe moving them to new areas that kind of be our eyes in, in, in those areas um that we expect to hunt um in we'll call it october time frame so that data then when we go in and pull that card on our first hunt um, will let us know okay maybe this this area not necessarily the same tree but this area has a decent deer on you know on it mm-hmm. and we generally mark three or four trees in a given area um but that lets us know, okay, you know, we need to be back in here. There is a quality deer to be after. Um, don't do much uh, trail cam work, what I'll call from like October 15th through oh, end of November. And, and, and scouting is, is not necessarily a huge part of our game, except for you're scouting on the way in. You may, we may get to different area you know an area and decide to go up a completely different tree because the the sign's hot i, I feel like in season scouting is, is kind of you go in with one game plan but you gotta adapt to what you're seeing and right. dave who's who's, who's kind of that co-founder he's really good at like feeling things out and 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 he'll he'll just get a sense of like now you know what i was planning on going to spot a but given that i'm seeing <laughs> X, Y, and Z, whether that be big tracks, a scrape, yeah. a rub line. He goes, I think I'm going to shift and go over here, you know, hundred, couple hundred yards or even 50 yards. He'll shift. Yeah, um, I can relate to that. My friend always accuses me of that. He's like, how do you know? Like, cause I, like we were talking earlier before we started the podcast. And like I said, I went with the stand on my back and put my stand up and it saw all kinds of deer. The same day I shot that, that deer I was talking about with that broke its rack. I saw a huge like 150, 160 class whitetail walk by and I actually filmed it on my phone, but it's kind of hard to see. But I just, you know, sometimes you get in there and you just got a feeling that you're, you're where you need to be and you really can't put your thumb down on why that is. But sometimes you just, you kind of feel it, you know, and that's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I like really like, especially like obviously in the dark is a little different setup game. Um, but if I'm going in for like an evening hunt or a hunt that I can see my trees at, I really try and slow down. I'll call it the last 80, 80 yards. As far as I'm picking my, 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 um, my steps out very carefully. I'm assessing trees from a distance right. because I don't want to a backtrack 
and B, I always feel like there's like a spot and then the killing tree within the spot. Um, you know, like that final tree selection, I feel like is worth the extra, even if you're standing still for five to 10 minutes. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge aspect of, of success. And, and I'll even say this, the, that day, whenever I was hunting, I, I came up on a spot that I was like, nah, this looks good, but I'm just not feeling it. It just doesn't feel like this is the spot. And I kept going a little bit further back and I was like, this is a spot, you know, this is the spot. This is where I need to be. And the whole time I'm doing this, like I came across that first spot and I'm looking at the time and I was running late. I forgot what time it was, but I remember I was like, I need to hurry up and get my butt up in a stand, you know, up in a tree and start hunting. Cause I'm sitting here wasting daylight. But I was like, I'm not going to sit in a spot that I really don't feel like I'm going to see anything. So I, I kept going and I went up in this other spot and there wasn't a tree I could get in that I felt like the wind, you know, just the tree that, you know, the, the position I needed to be in to really get the shot off, just looking at the ground, looking at the trails, looking at, you know, what I thought was going to happen. So the tree I got up in was like, a the base of it, it had like a, a base that went up and I had a climber at this point and I had to put it up in the tree standing on my pack that I had down on the ground. I was using it kind of like a ladder. I mean, it was really retarded <laughs> the way I had it all <laughs> set up trying to get this stand in there, but I set it up and everything worked out just right. You know, I was like, man, that it's just crazy. You know, like you, you keep pushing the envelope I was late getting up there. I was, you know, all these things and you have to make your mind up whenever you're going in. I, I really like hunting like that because it's very rewarding whenever it does all come together. But anyway, you mentioned something that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about. You know, usually when you talk about public land hunting, you hear people talk about Dan Infault and they talk about hunting buck beds and all this stuff. And that stuff is really cool. It's really interesting. But honestly, I haven't got that good at it. I've been able to find beds. I've kind of been able to say, okay, this is kind of where the beds are. This is probably where he's bedding. And you can kind of put a piece of the puzzle together. But I like hunting scrapes. I love putting trail cams on scrapes and stuff. So you were talking about scrapes in the summertime. Mm. What... I'm just kind of curious about that. Could you expand on that a little bit? You know, how you hunt scrapes in the summer, or not hunt them, but, you know, for your trail cams and stuff. Because I've heard that they, they visit scrapes year round. You know, they may not scrape the ground, but they may hit the licking branch. I've, I don't know. I've seen some articles on it. So I was just wondering what you see there and how that goes for you. Yeah. Yeah. So these, I don't know, as far as like a, a deployment in the summer, um, seeing scrape activity, on public land, you can't put any sort of bait site down. There's no mineral. There's no corn. So, like, okay, how are you going to get pictures of, of bucks on camera? Um, so we kind of deploy the, the, the scrapes that are there year after year. Um, they are not field edge scrapes by any means. Um, we don't generally hunt any real field edges. Um, but these are, you know, scrapes that we've seen year after year. And, and that sometimes takes a couple years of hunting a piece to, to kind of find those. But we're, we're deploying these cameras. And over the course of kind of our month soak or, or month and a half soaks in the summer, we will get a picture uh, uh, generally of a buck or the bachelor group in the area perusing by it or hitting it. It's not necessarily every day like you see in the rut. But they will pop by that area. I don't know. We'll call it once a week, 
two times in the month. But that lets us know that there's one in the area. You know, the public land game, the, the trail camera summer setup is, is not necessarily the easiest. The other thing we really look for um, when setting these cameras up in the summer is uh, waterways. Um, we've yes. kind of been keen in on um, like creek crossings um, because we can also gauge tracks while we're in there. So you're almost getting like what I'll call like a double duty scout, even though you may not have a buck on, on, on picture or an actual picture of them. You can go in there and cover a few of those Creek crossings in the woods and, and looking for, for bigger tracks. I'm by no means the track expert, um, by, by any standards, but I can be walking around and go, wait a minute, that track makes me do a double take. That's Mm -hmm. a good sign, you know? Yeah, well, they have that. I think Dan Infault talks about the three finger rule. You know, if you can put three fingers in it, that's a that's a sure. big mature deer and stuff. So, I definitely get that. Now, do y'all just mm-hmm. hunt in Ohio, or do y'all hunt other states? Or, um, so we have just done the Ohio thing the past couple of years. Um, this year we've got a few different kind of ventures planned. Uh, as of now, Dave is planning. Dave and Andy are planning to go to South Dakota and do a, a, a whitetail hunt in september okay um so that'll be kind of cool and kind of hoping to find some some low pressure areas some different terrain um is there a season start early probably i'm i'm sorry say that again does their season start earlier in south dakota yeah yeah and and i i can't speak too much on the regulations because i'm not going on trips i haven't really uh, looked at them forwards and backwards but yeah i think i think those guys are going I know it's September at some point, but I can't tell you mid or late. Um, and then I'm actually going to go to Indiana this year and probably end up taking one of the other guys with me. And we'll probably end up with two, maybe even three guys in Indiana. Um, just kind of depends on schedules and, uh, Oh, life with, you know, Dave's got a kiddo and mm-hmm. Andy's got a young one. And, oh, believe me. I know um, how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go to Indiana this year and do some public around there. Um, Last year, I did a little bit of public land uh, elk hunting in Montana. So, like, that's kind of the gamut. And just kind of hoping to expand that, really, uh, over the next few years, going on, on out-of-state, like, one-week trips. Uh, I don't think I'm going to buy an Iowa tag or start putting in points there. But um, I may pop over to Indiana, maybe Illinois, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a ton of public land in Missouri. We, yeah, I think I've the tag's a little more um than indiana well i know i think that's the interesting thing about public land is that you feel like you can just go you know once you start hunting it you're just like man i can go to any state i want to and, and make this happen you know oh yeah, it's just yeah. A, there's a certain adventure aspect of it you know mm-hmm. but yeah i'd love that that adventure aspect of it. oh and and that's something like i i that i think gets to me is I'm always checking out new pieces. Um, even oh, yeah. here in Ohio, like I'm like, hmm, I've never hunted state forest X or wildlife area B. Um, I'm going to check it out. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'm always trying to find that, that next, next bit of ground because I, I, I think that's important. We don't get me wrong. We have our honey holes here and that we go to year after year, but let's say a couple out of staters come in and, um, figure it out or figure out our spots. That's a great, you know, point. that, that place can be cold. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, like last year I had, um, you know, I had a pretty good year last year and, um, I was also posting my trail cam photos 
on the internet. Yeah. And uh, there a lot of guys, you know, I'm at the fire station and guys are going, man, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be showing these Mm -hmm. pictures. You shouldn't do, you shouldn't let these people know where you're at. But, you know, like I have a, I don't know. For me, where my truck is at, I could be anywhere. You know, like that, that may be the starting point of where I'm at, but I could be four miles from my truck and I don't care if they won't put in the time and find where I'm at. So be it. But sure enough, late in the season, I mean, we're talking like around Christmas time, there were people parking by my truck that were not there at all the whole time. And, um, you know, I, I guess they saw it. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But they weren't there all season long. And then all of a sudden, I had two to three cars showing up. And uh, people were starting to talk about where I was going. And I was starting to hear more and more about yeah. it from my friend that, you know, lived in the area. So, you know, it's uh, – you, you never know what's going to happen. I'm not going to stop posting, you know, pictures and stuff like that because I want people to know that you can hunt public land, that there are big deer here. And, you know, it's it's there if you want it. You know, that's kind of my mm-hmm. message. I, I grew up, like, I think you were talking about, like, you looked at the outdoor channel. You know, we hunted out of uh, tower blinds with corn piles everywhere. And it was just a bait and wait game. And um, this whole style of hunting, the adventure aspects of it, not being able to take a four-wheeler, having to be somewhat physically fit, all these things that just... I love it, man. I just love public land hunting. So I'm an advocate of it and I'm not going to stop posting that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you, you're going to have to be able to adapt, you know, and I'm not worried if somebody comes in there, then heck, I got thousands and thousands of anchors I can go to and, and figure it out, you know, and that may suck. But I, like you said, you can't rely on one honey hole. Who's to say somebody no. comes in there and just does the hard work and finds it too. I mean, you, you never know. So that's, that's really cool you know that y'all are expanding into other stuff and like I, hey i want to go elk hunt well it makes yeah well it makes <laughs> I mean, you a better hunter too i feel yeah, like yeah. if you're trying new pieces one like how do you get how do you get better at, at sports even if you have god-given gifts you go to practice you know right so i look i look at scouting new pieces and i'm getting practice scouting and setting up on a whole new area you know, so I'm going to be a, because my goal in, in 10 years is to be a good deer hunter, you know, like I want to have a nice, uh, accomplished career with, with good memories, good bucks. But I feel like by going to new pieces, by testing my hunting skill set in another state, I think that makes me a better hunter. Oh yeah. And, and two, I think, you know, to me, I get a kick out of it. I'm like, man, if I can go to a foreign land and just with a stand on my back and set up and kill a deer, like that's. To me, that's what separates the hardcore public land hunter from what you see on the outdoor channel. Like, how many people oh, can go and do that? You know, like these girl, these these blondes with big boobs and stuff. Like, I know that you can shoot a bow. I know that you can be quiet. I know that you can look pretty up in that stand. But do you really have the skills it takes to to learn and know these animals? You know, are you? And not just the women. I'm not just talking about them. But these pro hunters and stuff like. Do they really have the skills needed to go and do this? Now, I'm sure that they can interact with the deer when they get there, but to be able to read a map, you know, figure out where the deer are from there, to have a game plan, go in there and dissect, you know, 100,000 acres from one state and then pick that one tree that you need to be in to kill a deer. Like, to me, that's legendary. Like, if you can do that, oh. you know, like, that, that is awesome to me. 
Yeah, so that, oh, there, yeah. There is no doubt in my mind that you know you take a, a good public land hunter, um, take a guy who hunts private private fields or you know private land, and you drop them off on a two hundred acre farm, and you say, okay, first one to to you know get on deer or or kill a nice buck, I'm taking the the guy who's hunted public land and who's really kind of perfected the skill set of of reading sign reading terrain because no offense to the to the private land guys you hunt it for a few years you can start to figure it out pretty good and you know to stay out of your doe bedding areas go in there and right. kind of set up now, don't get me wrong I, I respect those guys and there's some there's some killers out there and there's some guys that hunt private land almost like i do public they bounce around but you know they, if i'm looking at a you know fantasy draft of of, of hunters and i've got to pick four or five guys that you know, can get the job done. I'm looking at guys like Dan Enfold, uh, Eberhard and Jared Scheffler and, you know, that, that kind of group. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something earlier about Jared Scheffler and <laughs> I, I got a kick out of them because they are so out of the box. Like he started his, his hunting and he doesn't even stand hunt or anything like that, which I thought was really cool. But yeah, there was there was a part in whatever video it was where he killed that big deer with a longbow, where he was wearing like tennis shoes, and I started yeah. I was like this dude is wearing tennis shoes, you know, like we have become such a consumer base, I guess, in the hunting industry mm-hmm. where everything is that you got to have the best boots. You got to have this. You got to have this kind of fabric. If you don't have this kind of fabric, you suck. If you don't have these kind of boots, you suck. You know, it, it's become ridiculous, really. I mean, I still hunt in t-shirts and jeans and stuff, just grubby clothes and stuff. And mm-hmm. you see this guy out here killing, you know, make killing record book bucks, and he's got tennis shoes on, and they're using this decoy and stuff. And I'm just like, man, this is the coolest thing ever. And I think that that's what you know, for me. Like, I'm interested in all that weirdness. <laughs> like, I want to see. Oh, they, yeah. they do it. The, the there is nobody else doing it like them out there. You know, public ground on the public land on the ground. Obviously, you got Shuffler with a stick bow. I mean, that's kind of like <laughs> that's next level. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I used to hunt like that when I was a kid, and I was like 16 or so. I would actually go and stalk deer. And, um, I was on a lease and, and people started having a problem with it cause they didn't know where I was going to be and stuff. You know, we had other hunters. Mm-hmm. I get that. That's fine. But, uh, I, I had a lot of memory. I shot quite a bit of deer on the ground, you know, sneaking up on them, getting in ditches and crawling up to them from fields and stuff. I actually shot a nice buck in a, in a uh, cotton field one time, never found it, but I remember I was crawling up to it where I thought it was going to be and I heard something. I stayed still and I, I look up and there's this buck like 25, 30 yards and I shot it with my 30 alt six, flipped it over, never found the thing. I just did not know what, how that happened. But anyway, um, those kinds of experiences to me, like I watched the white tail adrenaline stuff and I'm like, man, you know, you got public land that you can go and hunt. You can just go and do it. And, and the possibilities I think for hunting are really endless. And I hate to see it going down a road where it's like, you got to have this tree stand, you got to have this and that. So it's, I think the public land hunters have kind of have a chip on their shoulder 
not in a bad way. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. But 100%. I mean, we're kind of gritty, you know, like we want to try things. We want to know these deer better. I, I've researched deer hunting more in the past year just because I've, I've got this thirst for it because I'm like, man, I can go anywhere and, and kill these deer. Like in Arkansas, the number one deer this year was a uh, public land buck. Oh, wow. And yeah, so it's, it's there for everybody. And I think that especially guys like you, you know, they're, they're, you're inspiring people. You're getting people up, checking out public land and stuff. And I don't know, my hat's off to get to guys like you that are putting content out there and, you know, interacting with people and, and letting people know that, Hey, there's, there's some, you know, if you want to, if you want to get a show on the outdoor channel, whatever it, the possibilities are there. I mean, I think that the hunting public and all that starting to get some, some momentum. So, you know, I think the sky's the limit for you guys. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it, it's definitely, uh, the, the opportunities are there, but the, the, the work is also there as far as man, it's, it's, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, you're right. You know, to, to get up at, at 3am drive an hour and a half, or get up at like 2.40 and try and get out the door as fast as you can at 3, you know, drive an hour and a half to, to a piece of public and, and and then hike in and try and be in your stand 45 minutes to an hour before dark. It's, uh, there's a couple guys that, that do know where we we, we uh, hunt at, you know, some old buddies from high mm-hmm. school, and they, uh, they're like, man, I don't think I can do it as far as day after day, you know getting four or five hours of sleep because you get home at 10 o'clock and you got you know hour hour and a half drive in the in the evening and then turn around and do it again yeah now is that hard for you to juggle you know hunting like that and all that i mean you know with your social life or whatever you got back at home oh sure i mean um i've got a really understanding fiance and i also pick and choose my time uh she knows like from from October twentieth on, that that's going to be my main focus. But if it's seventy degrees and it's October fifth, and she wants to go down and watch the Ohio State game with some friends down on campus, and I'll, I'll do that. I've learned to juggle juggle that, but it's it is a, it is a grind. And even if I go for a morning hunt on a Saturday and not hunt in the evening, say I get back at noon or one or two o'clock, I've been up since three a.m. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to tell you and, too, and, and, you uh, got kid when you get uh, kids, it just gets worse. <laughs> oh, sure. You, you've got to sure. pick and, and choose. And, you, and you've done a workout too. It's not like it, it isn't physically demanding. Right. And I, I think that's hard too, whenever you're doing something like this, obviously you have goals for the whitetail experience and you want to put forth some effort there, but you also got a family. You've also got jobs and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's really hard. And I think that I don't know about you, but for me, I have to make that a priority, you know, mm-hmm. like put in the time now in the summer, really, you know, devote a lot of time to your family and stuff. And then once the season rolls around, you know, you, you, you kind of got the more freedom to come and go whenever you've put a lot of effort in whenever you're, you know, it's not season. But like you said too, I mean, you, October 20th is the date, huh? for you uh, yeah she knows um we've been together for a few years but she knows like you know i'm going to be putting in max time during october 20th through the, the end of november and if i don't have have a buck down and i'll still be pushing hard i, I didn't kill this year till first day of gun season which was into end of november um you know and, and also like on my day-to-day life I, I make some sacrifices doing this is is 
a pretty cool side job, but it's still still definitely kind of like a job as far as, yeah, I'm not getting paid, but, you know, I get up at four and sometimes I'll edit for an hour or two before work and then go to work and come home and spend time with her. But, you know, that way I still get to spend time with her, but yet I'm still editing, you know, a photo or video work. and It's definitely a grind. Yeah. Now from October 20th, what what kind of strategies are y'all using? I mean, what do y'all do? I mean, so, do y'all do any like, I guess rattling or anything like that. I mean, what do you what do you really rely on to get these deer down? Yeah, so starting around October twentieth, like, um, generally we have stayed out of of our better spots until you know from October twentieth through the end of October. You, I'm, I'm playing a cold front. I'm hoping for something that dips the temperature or maybe a front comes through midday and it, it really drops 15 ish degrees and a little precipitation. Um, we'll then go after what I'll call our higher dollar stands. Um, you know, we, I kind of think that generally there is a few days in late October and it kind of varies, but trail cams have showed us the bucks will kind of, it's like one or two days that they'll just kind of do a lap around a little bit bigger area or make more daylight appearances and you just kind of hope you time it right as far as you're in the stand the day that they decide to be a little more daylight active but we're hunting some better stands we're we're sitting stands that maybe are either a little farther back or a little bit out of the way um because we've had hunter pressure the first 20 days of october and in the last week of september um i'm definitely not calling by no means, um, I just don't think it's a huge game as, as far as what I do on public land. The only time I will call, um, it's got to be a real good gut instinct. I don't rattle at all. I just feel like I get how oh, I feel like the, the deer are educated to that trick. Um, I'll snort wheeze at a deer, um, especially if I think that's that he's he's not going to come by at shooting distance. Maybe that'll tempt him to come in, you know, a little farther. Um, what else am I doing late October into November? I'm starting to dive into bedding areas before daylight. Um, I'll get in there real early and, uh, sit, sit tight. You know, um, we know generally where some does are are bedding that time of year from either previous history or earlier in the season. Uh, if we have a doe group come in and say like five, six does, we may not shoot that doe. Uh, even if we are doe hunting because we've just identified a group is in a certain area and where them bucks going to be in a, you know, when, when they start smelling right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, at that point in the year, man, it is, it is hunt as many times as you can. Um, and then it kind of shifts a little bit that first week of November and we can talk about that if you want or dive into something else. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and talk about it. I want to talk about, Real quick though, you said that you don't call, and uh, that, that's that's kind of interesting because I've I've noticed too, man. I, I feel like I scare more deer away whenever I call. You know, is that kind of the impression that you get whenever you start rattling and stuff like that? Yeah, like, and, and it varies a little bit. Like, if I'm hunting a piece that I know has some pressure on it, I'm definitely not calling. If I'm getting to Oh, units of the state that, that maybe have a little bit less people hunting them. Um, maybe like a bigger, big woods deer or, or um, a big woods area that, that um, they're not getting as much pressure. Um, the, the bucks may be a little more 
looking for does because there's a little bit less deer population. They got to go finding them. Mm-hmm. That's the only place. And it's got to be a gut feeling on that day. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not real big into calls. Uh, if I left my, I've not brought a rattle, rattling system for two years at this point with my pack. Now, I will say that if I can see the buck and I can tell he's going away from me, I will call. I mean, I do have a grunt call. Um, I started, I got, I got a, a decoy late in the season, never use a decoy. So I'm really anticipating all that, but I did have a decoy out. And I had a buck that was still kind of chasing a doe. It was late in the season. I mean, it was like December. And um, I remember he came down into this little valley in these ridges. And I was sitting there grunting at him. And he was running all over the place trying to figure out where that grunt was coming from. But it was a young, you know, young buck. But I thought that was just, (laughs) I was like, man, if he saw this decoy over here, he'd come right to me on a string. But I, I just... My thing with rattling is I've been busted too many times with it. I have rattled some deer up, but I don't, like you said, I, I think that it it, it, can, it can do more harm than good. I mean, if you know a big buck is in there, I would just play what they do naturally and try to pick them up, you know, kind of ambush them and surprise them, then kind of show them where you're at. You know, I, I feel like that's kind of my angle with it, but I think that's a good way to be. But anyway, let's go into November and, uh, you know, just kind of how your strategy changes from there. Yeah, as far as um, hunting in November, we generally will start shifting to, to uh, pinch points become a, a lot, you know, a lot of what we, we sit and we'll start sitting all day because um, we've seen, uh, you know, a decent amount of action midday throughout the years. Um, what kind of pinch points we'll, are you looking for? Pinch points that I'm looking for in in hill country, it, in a perfect scenario, I've got a some sort of bedding area um, on the upper half. And if I can find like a what I'll call a cut or some people I think call them hogbacks, but uh, some sort of terrain feature that funnels deer um, because they won't want to go up and down, though they'll, they'll kind of stick on the upper side of it. And I'll generally get on the leeward side and try and get in that wind tunnel that, that everybody talks about. Right. Um that to me is kind of the dynamite scenario. Um, we've also got some hill country here in Ohio where there's just terrain that, that funnels deer through 50 yard areas between hillsides, um, whether that be cut strip mines or just natural like erosion features. Um, at that point in the year, we, we will jump into those. And if we can find one of those between doe bedding areas, that's huge. Um, Cause now you're playing off three factors, not just one. Um, I think, you know, you hear guys talk about, oh, I'm going to hunt funnels and pinch points. Well, that's great. You can look at a map and see uh, a topo creates a pinch point or a funnel. But what else is in that area that's going to make that buck appear there? Um, We're real big on knowing as many doe bedding areas as we can or or an active doe bedding area. So if I can set up and have a few factors working for me there, that's huge. Right. So what are you looking for on a topo map? I mean, are you looking for saddles or you know what what exactly are you looking for to to pinpoint those deer other than obviously the doe bedding that you're talking about mm-hmm. yeah so i'm looking um big picture okay i'm looking at access what's in what's around there as far as keeping other hunters out what kind of you know can i put two hills 
generally guys won't go what I'll call up, down, and back up again. They'll only make the, the hump up one hill. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'll look for that, and I'll look. I'll draw lines on my, my maps as far as, like, okay, what's, what's I think in this terrain, hunters are only going 400 yards. Now, what kind of options are there from 600 yards plus? Um, but as far as terrain features themselves, I'll look for – as I'll look for those cuts that are kind of funneling deer up into that upper third shelf where I, I think bucks cruise in general during November. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, I've got that cut working for me too. He's not going to want to go back down and up. He'll stay on that third elevation where he's kind of getting that wind tunnel effect, but now he's also got a cut pinching him down. Hopefully I can pinch a deer down between we'll call it 50 and a hundred yards. Now I can play some odds and, and hunt 30 yards inside that cut and be able to cover you know 60 yards up and downhill and cover most of that terrain I gotcha. um yeah so 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 that's that's something i'm looking for occasionally we'll just look for like real big picture we'll look for the best funnel in the area okay where is, there's a big woodlot here and another big woodlot here and the piece of public kind of connects the two pieces even of private land you know, you can't just look at a, what is public? What is, you know, what is the public land piece? You also got to look at, I don't know, the, the bigger chunk. Um, cause we play off of, uh, off of private land a decent amount oh. as far as all oh, there's, there's, there's private land food here, but we know the deer bed on the public. And Hey, you know, some of those deer bed up on that public and then they go to these bait piles and stuff at night. I, I don't mm -hmm. know if you've seen anything like that, but some of the biggest deer that I've, I've got on camera are right next to public they're i mean, I mean mm -hmm. right next to private their bedding areas are dang near right on it and I, I i think that people try to stay away from some of the private land but i would suggest you know like you're talking about take that into consideration that if you got a big hunting club next to some public land they probably got food plots and they probably got bait piles and that can play to your advantage so yeah we just killed a turkey five yards from the public private line uh, yeah. like three weeks ago now there you go <laughs> literally five yards yeah so i mean true it's not a deer but yeah we definitely play that borderline the other thing we kind of key in on it is, is is habitat you know you look at, at topos and those are good but i also like to look at habitat and this is something i think i'm getting better at as, as as a deer hunter i'm looking at you know browsing effects on deer and cover and you know, sanctuaries, you know, can you find areas that I'm going to call them unhuntable? You know, they're old fields that have grown up into a bunch of nastiness and then looking at little areas that I can pop into, whether they be on a ground or even just a stick or two high, you know, right. Um, that's something we key on because that cover provides safety, that cover provides food and you get some daytime movement. Yeah. I found a spot last year that man, it was so thick with thorns and stuff. And it was like that all the way through. And then all of a sudden it just kind of, there was a little trail that just kind of opened up to it and it had scrapes and rubs all through it. And I was like, Hmm, I really don't know how I could hunt this. There's no trees. There's, you know, there's really nothing to get up in to hunt this spot, but I, I just want to put a camera up this year just to see what's over there and just leave it mm -hmm. alone and not even go back there and hunt it. Just, I just want to see just for my own, I don't know, just, an experiment i guess you know just to see what's back there because it's one of those plots it, a spot that you talk about being unhuntable that most people just will not hunt and i know it's not getting that much pressure but anyway right yeah you, you you if it's if it's not like easily tree stand huntable a lot of times guys won't hunt it and maybe gun season you'll see a guy or two 
in a certain location. But yeah, these unhuntable um, habitats within your regular wildlife areas, um, even in the big woods, uh, Greenbrier or something I look at, um, I used to just walk by Greenbrier and then I was hunting with a, or scouting with a, a guy who really is dialed in on browsing. Um, and we started, he started looking at, you know, he started looking at, at the Greenbrier and it all been nibbled off. He goes, yeah, they, they love Greenbrier more than they like the Metaflora Rose, even though they're both kind of that thorny, hmm. you know, impenetrable stuff. So, so that's something I, I've kind of keyed in on, um, when I'm looking at even like big woods, because you, you, Changes in habitat in big woods is a little bit tougher than than what I'll call regular farm and and right. ag land. That's funny, Greenbrier. I mean, you know, just talking to you, I'm sitting here going, man, there's so much shit that I need to look into and know. Oh, you know what I mean? Like it dude, never will... stops. Like I'm trying to read a book on the moon, haven't read it, but I need to. And then you're talking about Greenbrier, and I'm just like, man, I don't even know what these deer really feed on, honestly. <laughs> like golly. Mm-hmm. That, that's yeah, interesting. That, that same guy talks about Japanese honeysuckle, which I couldn't even identify. But Japanese like, yeah, dude, honeysuckle. I, I, yeah, <laughs> he's like, dude, I found like, like thirty or forty percent of his big woods public land sheds are within fifty yards of Japanese honeysuckle. I was like, no way. So yeah, dude, if you I, if there's so many aspects of of, of hunting to, to to grow on, but yeah, I kind of want to concentrate on can I identify good browsing in a year from now and add that to my arsenal huh japanese hunt. i'm gonna like write this down i promise <laughs> you it will be googled later <laughs> but that, that's that's see this is why i love doing what i do talking to people and learning stuff like this it's just crazy japanese honeysuckle who would have thunk it mm-hmm. all right well that's uh is that all you got for kind of where you you go in your strategy as far as, you know, late season, you know, are you doing anything yeah, late season or usually tagged out? <laughs> no, no, by, by no means. Am I, uh, Cause even if I have tagged out, I'm being somebody else's cameraman. Um, Dave did not tag a buck in, in last season. And um, he was kind of bouncing around and finding areas that were still holding deer, um, which was huge because not only is he hunting, trying to kill a deer, but we learned so much from him continuing to pursue as far as where these deer are late season due to where's the hunting pressure been and what pieces of public still have, um, you know, active deer because we, we have two gun seasons in December and dude, we live in Ohio. People drive deer. It's what they do here. Oh yeah. Well, we don't have that, that problem over here, but, <laughs> What what did y'all find as far as what what was holding deer and what was successful and what wasn't? And, and, um, so some of the uh, areas that, that that we found deer like post gun season, um, I guess too like our gun season strategy. You'll laugh at this. So we hunted a, a, a small chunk. I don't want to give the acres away because they'll start giving away where we were. But small chunk with a long easement, and we literally ran essentially like a mile and a half back into this this small chunk, knowing. Most of the other guys coming in that day would be in the front half and just pushing deer towards us, and sure enough, that's what happened. <laughs> um, so, so, so starting late season and gun season, we start playing a lot off of other hunting pressure. Um, what did we find that, that held deer late season? Um, again, it, it kind of came back to habitat. We were finding thicker uh, areas that were still having browse, um, areas maybe with 
private land food sources right next to what I'll call like bedding type habitat with that thicker browse. Mm-hmm. Um, and one piece that was just kind of, is, is kind of an overlooked section of the state. Um, it's a, it's a mm, smaller to medium sized chunk. And, uh, we pretty much, he, Dave was, went out there two or three times, never in the same spot, but was bouncing around and never had anybody else out, out there. Hmm. Um, yeah. And he, he witnessed a triple buck fight, I think on, last week of december or for like yeah i think last week of december a triple buck fight so wow that was pretty cool yeah i've only seen a couple bucks fight in my lifetime so i've heard some but yeah, i just ne- haven't seen it yeah neither know? i really haven't seen much either but he witnessed like he said it was a triple buck fight at one point and the, the smaller deer kind of piddled off but to see that in late december um that's kind of unheard of around here well you're making dave sound like the deer whisperer like he's got this connection with with the deer that most yeah, people no, don't he's, have. Yeah, no, he's a very good hunter. Um, that's right. kind of what gravitated me to, to hunting with him. I think we talked about it literally this week, how we kind of balance each other out. I go off of uh, what I believe the deer should be doing based on kind of external factors. Um, you know, Dave is kind of a gut hunter. Um and it kind of works well too with the Whitetail Experience brand. Dave is funnier on camera than I am. He'll we were dragging deer out this year and he just pauses keels over and just goes too many beers, too many beers, (laughs) you know? And like, he is just naturally funny. I'm probably a little more technical behind the camera and being able to put together a better final product. So yeah, dude, I I can't speak highly enough of of getting a good hunting partner. And now we have a a pretty good team. We we, team of three originally, and now it's expanded. We get, we grabbed another member this year that I think is really going to elevate us. Well, you know, that's, that's, you mentioned a key part to the whole hunting experience and that's really having a good hunting buddy. And I know I've mm-hmm. got mine, that dude, every deer I shot at, he was there, you know, drove 45 minutes, met me in the woods, you know, helped me look for a doe that I shot and, you know, it just helped me drag both of the bucks that I shot, you know, just always there for you. Always, you know, keeps his mouth shut about where we go. And that's a huge part of it. He's also a good drinking buddy too. I mean, we get pretty tore up. We go out there and camp. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, you're out there, you're mm-hmm. away from your family and stuff. It's yeah, beer, whiskey, all of it. So, oh yeah, and then you get you get somebody too to bounce strategy off of. Like, yeah. hey, I think I see this, or hey, I think I see this. And the kind of the other cool thing about Dave and I do, we will be 75 yards from a tree and both pick the same tree, and really. He'll be like, yeah, he, he, he's like, I'm thinking this one. I was like, yep, done. Like, that's that's where I was leaning on hunting tonight. Yeah. That's, so, that's, that's yeah, pretty wild whenever. And that's a pretty big confidence builder, too, and your hunting setup. And you got somebody else going, yeah, I think that's where I would be, too. Sure, yeah. Well, Byron, I'm going to be sensitive to your time, brother. It was a uh, great conversation, man. Thanks for coming on and sharing a little bit about Whitetail Experience. Yeah, Josh, can't thank you enough, man. Enjoyed the. I love to talk to public land hunting. You got me all fired up over here, and <laughs> dude, it's uh, it won't I, be long. I, 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 I wish nothing but success for you, your brand, and, and and keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate it, man. Well, uh, real quick, where can people find out more about? you guys and what you're doing i know we've already plugged it once but i want to i want people you know if they've made it all this way through they're interested in you so tell us where we can find you at 
Sure, sure. Look us up on uh, on Instagram and Facebook first and foremost. The Whitetail Experience. Um, we got a black and orange logo, and then uh, if you want to head on over to fa- or um, YouTube, look us up there. The Whitetail Experience. A couple cool videos on there. Plenty of content. Appreciate anybody that's ever pushed a like, subscribe, follow, any of that. Really appreciate that. So, Josh, thanks again, man. Hey, man. It was an honor and a privilege to meet with you and, and talk to you about these deer. I uh, can't thank you enough, man. Appreciate it. All right, Beaches. That does it for today's show. I hope you liked it. Otherwise, you're just, what, like torturing your ears for an hour or something. That's That's no good. I really wouldn't think that you'd be listening to something this long and got to this point now if you didn't like it. So chances are you like it. And, you know, I don't charge anything for this podcast. I don't make any money off this podcast. It costs me money. But if you like what I'm doing, if you like public land hunting, staying fit, motivated to hunt, you know, our kind of core principles that we have here at Huntzilla, and by we, I mean me at this point. Uh, If you like what I'm about, the only thing I'm going to ask from you, because I don't advertise anything, I've got my own company, you haven't heard one thing about it so far, I'm just going to say that you can review, rate this podcast, no matter what you're listening to it on, and, uh, you know, join our Facebook, get involved in the conversation, comment on stuff, like it, same thing on Instagram, really been pushing it, really growed it over the past uh, couple weeks. And, uh, yeah, when you do those things, guys, it helps get this kind of content out there. The bigger it becomes, the more people, the more eyeballs see it. And, uh, that's really what I'm going for. You know, I want people to know that they can kill deer on public land and they can get fit to do it. You know, they have a huge mental advantage and physical advantage whenever they get in the gym and get fit. And, uh, that's kind of what we're about. So anyway, If you can do that for me, I would appreciate it. It's the only fee I charge for listening to this podcast. So, all that being said, guys, go be the beast in the woods. I'm out.